Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. This is The Breakfast Show with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson, filling in for Mon, positively different radio in the morning. Welcome to the show, Lawson. Great to be here. That's good. You're always happy to be here? I'm always happy to be here. It's always great to come on the radio. And what are you particularly thankful for this morning, Lawson? I am particularly thankful for... I was a part of a meeting last night, uh, which, you know, most people aren't particularly thankful for meetings, but I was very thankful for this meeting because the meeting was about um, reaching young adults um, in our really? area. Um, so it was it was ran by our uh, local... Uh, you know, North New South Wales, uh, young adults and teens directors, Donna Howard and Blair Lemke. And we just went over some different strategies and things that our local churches can employ um, to to reach out to our young adults, um, which is, you know, a, a group that I am a part of Sounds um, super as exciting. a young adult, as a 19-year-old. And yeah, it was, it was just awesome. And there was free food there. So that was great as well. And um, no, it's just good to come together and just be united in one mind in, in reaching people. Fantastic news right there. Well, coming up in today's show, and we should mention that we know what is coming up in today's show. The reason that we know what is coming up in today's show is because you're listening to the delayed broadcast. But coming up in today's show, we're going to tell you how to listen to the live show in just a moment. We're going to be having an interview with Justin Tarosian, whose great-great-great-great-grandmother was a significant uh, citizen of the Lake Macquarie District for many, many years, brought a tremendous, tremendous amount of industry, um, education, and health mm-hmm. to both this region and uh, other parts of Australia, probably the, one of the most uh, significant women during the 1800s to actually have an impact on Australia. So mm-hmm. um, super glad to have her great, 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 son back here she she of course um this uh, lady ellen white moved back to the united states and uh now the family's coming full circle because one of them is coming back to australia so that's amazing gonna be an exciting interview amazing and what are you going to be talking about lawson i'm going to be talking about really fast people doing really fast things okay speed yeah lawson has a need for speed speed and it's going to be amazing that's fantastic i'm going to be talking about um the world's greatest food crisis happening right now um, the, the biggest famine that has ever, that has ever mm-hmm. impacted our world, and you have probably not heard about it. You have probably not been aware of it. You are probably uh, busy supporting our farmers, which we should be doing. Um, but in the middle of that, we have crises on other parts of the world that are just beyond the imagination of anyone living here in Australia right now. After that, we're going to have our encounter with God. We're going to talk about Festus and Agrippa. And we're going to talk particularly about Paul's appeal. But that's all coming up. Stay tuned. What a wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What a wondrous love is this, oh my soul. What a wondrous love is this. Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. 
shot into the lamb I will sing To God into the lamb Who is the great I am While millions join the theme I will sing While millions join the theme I will sing You're listening to Jaden Levick there with uh, What Wondrous Love here on Faith FM as we move into our news section, our positively different news section, which we announced just a tad too early. But uh, before we get to that, we are going to have our first clue for the quiz of the day. What have we got coming right. up there, Lawson? We have a What Am I quiz. Okay, so this is going to be a thing. This is a thing. That a thing. It's in the Bible. A thing in the Bible. All right, so remember, you can call us up on 1-800-324-843 or text in the answer at 0491-064-669. And if you get it before Lyle gets it, then you get double prizes. So okay. that's that's good incentive there. But if you get it after Lyle gets it, you still get a prize. So get, get ready for this, all right? All right, you ready? ready. Here ready? we go. On his way to sacrifice his son, Abraham carried this and a knife while Isaac carried the wood. Oof. Mm-hmm. Oof. Mm-hmm. 
thinking, thinking, thinking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Lyle's already yep, got it. I 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 got it. It's gone. But if you have the answer, you can call That's right. Us up Absolutely. Or call text us right in now. And still get a prize. Prize coming your way. So there you go. Um, yeah, good, good, good thing. Good yeah. thing right yeah. there. Good, good, uh, good, good quiz. All right. Okay, so blow us away with some positively different news there, Lawson. Okay, so this is some very rapid news, some very fast news. Um, a mother of three, uh, three has just broken uh, the world record for the fastest human on a bicycle. Really? Yeah, this is amazing. Dennis Muller-Koronek, I hope I pronounced that correctly, has just broken the, the, the world record um, riding a custom-made bike. She broke the record on the Bonneville Salt Flats in Utah, going 183 miles an hour. On, on a push bike. On a this push is, this, this, on this, a this is bicycle. muscle-powered muscle bicycle. Yeah. On flat ground. On flat ground. Because I'm thinking, okay, you know, you can break the record on a speed wreck on a bike. Just grab your bike, put on your parachute, jump out of a plane, wait until you reach <laughs> terminal velocity. Like, yep, I've broken that record. <laughs> Pedal like crazy, like yeah, 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 and then pull your parachute, you know. And just, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I would break the speed record. Wouldn't take much energy. It'd be pretty straightforward. Uh, but you're saying that this person on the flat, on the flat, on the salt flat, yeah, was doing 183 83. miles per hour. How many? What's that in kilometers? That's like like up in the 280s, 290s, something like that. It's like ridiculous, man. <laughs> It's amazing, um, but anyway, yeah. The the 40, she, this this woman, she's forty five years old, um, and her bike was attached to the back of a drag racing car um, that was being piloted by another professional female uh, driver named Shay Holbrook um, until they reached a hundred miles per hour. And then, as you can imagine, you know, with a bike that needs to go this fast, um, you know uh, how gearing works. On yeah, a, that's on a right. Bicycle. You, you, you buy you, 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 you just would not be able to create enough gears to get it up to 100 miles yeah. an hour to begin with. So okay, so she starts at 100 miles an hour. Oh, yeah, and I've got to say 100 miles an hour, which is 160 kilometers an hour. The wind, the the the, the air pressure is starting to feel like pea soup. So it's like yeah. riding a bike through pea soup. And then she keeps going from 160 kilometers an hour until she reaches. 294.5 kilometers per hour. How gnarly is that? That man? is insane. That's crazy. What kind of gearing does this bike even have? Uh, what I'm kind a, of muscles does this Man, I'm imagining have? a sprocket that's like, you know, as as big as a dinner plate. But they don't have a picture of the bike here. But I'm um, super disappointed they don't have a picture because I mean it would have to be so light yeah. and so aerodynamic. You know how do you, how do you even get enough traction off a bicycle tire to push through the air? At 295 kilometers an hour. Well, I, I kind of lied. They do have a picture of the bike. They didn't have a picture of the back, back sprocket. But in this picture of the bike, like, look at this picture. Yeah, I like, can't really see much. Yeah, but look, there's, like, no fairing. And there's just, like, the front end just looks like a typical, like, it's... It doesn't it's even crazy. look solid, man. What was the previous record before this? You know, humans are amazing. Um, so, the previous just- record, uh, which was held... You know, from 19, 1995 until now, was 167 miles per hour. So she broke the record by over 20 miles an hour. 
This is this is just like craziness. Well, 268 um, kilometers an hour was the previous record. Yeah, she's taken that to 295. 295. Well, she actually um, she's had a few attempts at this. In 2016, um, she went 147 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, in that time, they went uh, back to the drawing board and they they thought up some new ideas of okay, how can we how can we reach those higher speeds? And man, they've they've, man, they've smashed like, it like 40 they've miles an hour quicker. That's it. insane. They need to get an extra five kilometers, five and a half kilometers on it, so they can break the 300 kilometer per hour. Oh man, that you know. <laughs> on a bicycle. Come on, <laughs> on the flats, being pedalled. Like you sure there's no electric motor or something hiding away in there? They didn't just pack. Well, the obviously frame not. You know, this lithium, is a Guinness Guinness World Record thing. Yeah. On, the, on, on the sly with this, you know, little. Uh, well, it's been actually a big thing, like in 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 road cycling. You know, of late, there's been like people hiding little generators on the inside of the cranks. Um, that have been made out of material that's not detectable by metal detectors and stuff. Yeah, it's been like, you know, bicycle racing, like whether it's doping or, you know, secret generators or whatever. It's just (laughs) like... These guys are the biggest biggest cheaters ever. mm, But it's really interesting. She was already... um, you know, a champion in competitive cycling, in, in road cycling um, in her younger years, but then, you know, sort of went out of it and started a family. But I guess, yeah, just continued to have that hungering for, for breaking records and going real fast. And like I can tell you, so my, my fastest speed ever on a motorcycle was 260 kilometers an hour. And that felt quick, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. was like that was on a track, but it felt like fast. Like, particularly you know, well, I bet there was a corner coming up at the end of the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, coming like, up pretty fast. Like, um, at the track I did that in, which was in uh, in Cartena, I was, you know, I was riding a 600cc bike and I'm sitting up at the end of the straight and the thing's like, you know, braking for the first turn and the thing's wobbling around and, you know, I'm going down the gears. I'm like, oh, slow down. And this, man, this lady's just it's like, just that's what I bought a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's that's a really awesome story. You know, it just sort of makes you wonder, you know, what would humans be capable of if sin had not entered our world? Dude, insane things. Yeah. I could imagine, you know What will humans be capable of once again, you know, in the in the earth made new in well, the new earth? I'm pretty sure it was predicted that that Adam was around 16 foot tall, right? He was like a super duper tall dude. Maybe I'm wrong, but... A lot of commentators would agree with you. But just in general, like you can imagine someone of that height, how fast they would be able to run. Yeah, it would kind of make... um no, nah, it wouldn't make it wouldn't make motorized transport irrelevant. Nothing's ever going to make that irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if you could run at a couple of hundred kilometers an hour, that would be rather cool. Yeah, dude. Because that, it would go up by the square, not by the double. Dude, but man, imagine like the the toll that it would take like i guess you would be stronger and better made for it but oh man this is because what's the the top speed at running at the moment by usain bolt's like 44 kilometers an hour so imagine being like that much taller how fast you can run oh it's amazing but anyways um continuing on our last story today is uh celebrations have erupted um as the ethiopian opian and in er, Eritrea border has officially been open after 20 years. Yeah, this conflict. is an awesome story. This, this is, is really great story. Really right good. Love this story. So, yeah, uh, the countries have been at odds since 1993 uh, when Eritrea voted with a supermajority to separate from Ethiopia. Um, the border conflict eventually resulted in a two year war in 1998, um, and there's been just harsh tensions 
ever since, um, you know, resulting, you know, over the border and um, keeping each other out and, you know, no, they don't have flights between those two countries and all these things. Um, but early in April, however, um, Abiy Ahmed <laughs> took over as Ethiopian prime minister after pr- the previous leader resigned suddenly in February. Um, and in his inaugural uh, address, he called upon Eritrean leaders to aid him in ending the deadly two-year war, a two-year-old border conflict um, and resolve to create a new chapter in the two nations' histories. Um, and now, like, the border's open and there's there's really there's this really cool video of um, people running across the border yeah, well, this and this is this is This is just, um, you know, apart from the fact that a lot of families are being reunited again for the yeah. first time, the, the 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 populations are just so of Eritrea and Ethiopia just so happy. Mon covered a story where, um, you know, when they first connected the phone lines between the two countries uh, a few months back, mm. and Ethiopians and Eritreans would just randomly call a phone number from the other country just just to talk and just to be happy about the fact that you know peace was coming to these two countries. Man, it's amazing, and it's actually like they've released they've released thousands of jailed political prisoners because of you know the tensions and everything and. It's just going good. It's just going good and entry. There needs to be there needs to be way more of this kind of thing happening in this world right now, particularly in places like Yemen. But right now, we're moving on. We'll be back soon.
You're listening to Francesca Battistelli here on Faith FM with the song If We're Honest. So, Lawson. Yo. Another up? clue for the quiz. Let's see if somebody can yes. snap it up today and right. win themselves a prize. 1-800-324-843 is our number. So get ready to give us a call. This one's going to be an easy one, I think. Yeah. It's, it, you know, as the clues go through, it's going to get quite apparent what it is. But continuing on, I remember our first clue was on his way to sacrifice his son. Abraham carried this and a knife uh, while Isaac carried the wood. Now, our next clue is... Numbers 11 tells how people who complained were killed by this. Mm, well, that, that's a great clue. Just uh, yeah. grab your Bible Just right now. Head you to know, Numbers you 11. You know where to go in your Bible to find the answer to this one. So, yeah, I thought it might be an easy one, and uh, that's definitely an easy one. So there's a prize coming your way. Give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number if you know the answer, and have a go at, uh, yeah, solving the clue, solving the quiz. Mm. So, Lawson, where um, and when do you think was uh, the world's largest food security emergency? In other words, that's a fancy way for famine. Where and when? Oh, I, I just know in modern times. like Okay, yes, because, well, you know, the Bible says just before Jesus returns that famine, you know, mm. massive famines will be a sign of the end of the times. And, you know, wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilences and diseases in various places and earthquakes and so mm-hmm. forth. So famines are right up there. Um, yeah, where and when do you think was the biggest? I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow it down. I'm just going to make a guess. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So, and this is, this is based on my, my knowledge of, of, uh, of uh, modern day events, uh, okay. yeah. I, just in general. Uh-huh. I'm going to say that it was here in... You know, recently in the 2010s. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that it was in um, Central Africa. Yeah, you know, that probably wouldn't be a bad guess. It would be wrong, though. Ooh, okay. <laughs> okay, but you're kind of in the right region. The world's largest ever food emergency crisis is taking place right now. Okay. And this fascinates me because we are hearing basically nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainstream media is not reporting on it. So your biggest famine that the world has ever faced is, is is taking place right now. And it's taking place in the country of Yemen. Okay. Yeah. You know where Yemen is? Yeah. Okay, good. Some people don't know where Yemen is. It's Eastern Africa, right? No. Isn't that where it is? No. It's but it's, it's in Asia. It's in oh yeah, it's across the Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so kinda the, close though. It's the bottom 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 tip of Saudi Arabia. Okay, yeah. So close, close, <laughs> close to Eastern Africa. It is. It's just across the Red <laughs> yeah. Sea from Eastern yeah, Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a few kilometres away, yeah. but uh, you could probably almost see across there. Maybe not quite mm. that far, but uh, yeah. So that's where Yemen is. And mm-hmm. of course, Yemen has been suffering from a civil war since uh, 2015. So your outgoing president, your incoming president uh, decided that they were both the ones who wanted to be in charge of the country and so they decided to have a civil war. Yeah. And then, of course, Al-Qaeda, you know, they pitched in and uh, a few other, um, you know, rebel um, Islamic State, you know, ISIS kicked in. They started to do some stuff. Um, the whole country really collapsed into chaos. 
Now the country is controlled by about four major groups. You have the Supreme Political Council of the Houthis. You have the Hardy-led government and uh, associated allies. You have the Southern Transnational Council. And then you've got Al-Qaeda and ISIS, and Mm -hmm. uh, they're just um, ruling large parts of the country as well. Mm. So basically the country is in, in a mess. Basically you have a country that is dealing with anarchy right now. The warring factions have only one thing on their mind, and that is grasping as much power and as much money as they can in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not long-term goals here for the good of the country of Yemen at all, and this is resulting in massive, massive starvation. Right now, um, There's uh, at, at this point, there is a quarter of a million people that are on the verge of death, Wow! immediate death, as a result of this uh, this conflict. Um, you have 5.2 million children that are on the verge of starvation. Wow! Um, that have no idea where their next meal is going to become going to be um, going to be coming from. Uh, a, a recent cholera e- epidemic broke out uh, mm. with 1.1 million people infected by cholera. Yeah! Wow! You know these are these are figures that it's just it's almost hard to get your your head around. It, hard to to mm. bend your mind around figures. Um, as big as as big as what you're dealing with in Yemen, and we are hearing literally basically nothing about it in mainstream media. This is one of the biggest crises in our world right now, and we're just and and, and you know it's just like eh, it's the Middle East. They're killing each other. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Wow. Why would we be interested? Mm. You know, this is an area where we have the opportunity in the West to demonstrate what Western civilization does and demonstrate the benefits of Western civilization by going in there and providing aid where we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's very challenging to do so. Um, food prices have gone up by 70%. Wow. Um, government employees have not been paid, you know, teachers, police officers, you know, the, the, the list goes on, all of your public servants, etc., have not been paid for the last two years. So they've got no income, they've got no currency to use. Food prices are up by 70%. And the real, real, or the, um, the Yemeni dollar, I guess you, the equivalent thereof, has lost 180% of its value and is continuing to plummet. So, yeah, it's literally wheelbarrow loads of money to try and buy a loaf of bread. Yeah, wow. Not that they have money anyway. Yeah. So, this is a, this is a major crisis that we're yeah. facing right there. And it's time that the, that the world's, you know, it's, 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 it's time that those governments that consider themselves to be Western civilization and consider themselves to be so much better than everybody else. And, you know, I'm super thankful to live in a country and to be born in a country, you know, the lucky country where we have Western civilization. But now's the time where we need to actually demonstrate why it's better. Mm. You know, because we, 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 we go to these countries and say, ah, oh, you need to have democracy and you need to have this and you need to have that so that you can be like us. Yeah. And they're all like, well, well why? You know, why, why is that better? Well, now we can show them why it is better because mm. we can build powerful economies that can help other people out in times of need. And that way you will have people who say, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. We want to do that. Yeah. Rather than just going, no, no, don't get it, don't like it. We want to do it differently. If, if you want to export democracy, this is the best way to do so, mm. rather than you know uh, forming a policy of regime change and then manipulating the politics uh, through social media or through you know um, 
black operations and, and, and these yeah. kind of things to uh, to bring about regime change, which we so often see happening yeah. in our new world order that we live under right now. Mm. Yeah, it, it is really, really interesting that um, – because this is something me and my dad actually argue about this a lot. Like, you know, people, I feel like some people believe that, you know, democracy in and of itself is just going to be the thing that cures everything. But it's not. It's the implementation no. of democracy. You know, democracy is an agent for, yeah, you know, better, you know, peace. But it's not in and of itself. Like, And it is far from perfect. Yeah. So, we, we need to be putting our best foot forward, you know, not going, you know, not pulling a... Like I don't want to name names, but yeah, just some of the some of the things that happened in the in the two thousands of people invading other countries and, and saying, <laughs> "Oh yeah, let's establish yes. democracy and leaving the country in utter shambles." Um, not, not 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 naming countries like the United States. <laughs> And going, we're all upset now because um, Russia was manipulating their country and bringing about regime regime change. <laughs> How many countries have they done that to yeah. in the past? It's you know, like when we talk about Iran or uh, you know Iraq, Afghanistan, all these countries that have just been left as you know a geopolitical quagmire as the result of people just coming in and just like the United States coming in and just wrecking it. Not that it didn't have problems before. Oh, massive problems. Like it had Look huge it now. Pro- Like it's just destroyed. So I think, you know, we need to be putting our foot forward in, in aiding the people rather than, like you say, manipulating politics. I mean, Iraq is one of those countries that I've always wanted to go through, don't go to because I love history. There's so much history there. You've mm-hmm. got Babylon, you've got Ur, you've got Nineveh, you've got, you know, so many Bible locations there. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's from Iraq the other day. And he's like, don't bother. He says, there's nothing left to see. It's all gone. You know, this yeah, is a country wow. that used to have some of the greatest museums in the world. It's all gone. Mm. There's nothing left. There's nothing left to see. And uh, and it's like, yeah, is this is this really better than, than what we had before? You know, Saddam Hussein was a monster. Yeah. Nobody's questioning that. But the question is, has it improved? You know, should should we be meddling in in other people's affairs? I mean, just mm. butt out of it and 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 stay away from yeah. it. And we're still seeing this thing all over the world, like in you Yemen know, we, and Syria and all these places. It's still going on. So, if you've got an opinion, give us a call. One eight hundred three two four eight four three is our number. We're going to be talking to uh, Justin Tarosian coming up after this. Inside my chest. You have always blessed, but I've pushed you apart I've never had a test that I've passed My life was a mess from the start But you smile at me with love, you descend
I've placed a heart Sanctified and blessed You're set apart Welcome back everybody You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia We have come to the special guest interview part of our show And I'm super excited to have Justin Tarosian joining us Justin, welcome to the show Thank you so much, Lyle Now, uh, Justin, as we get started today I have a question that I'm going to ask you I don't think I've ever asked anyone else this question But you're a Christian You're a Seventh-day Adventist Christian How many, how many generation Adventist are you? Like, for instance, I'm a fourth-generation Adventist. Uh, Justin's counting on his fingers here at the moment. I think he might be going for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, my great-great-great-grandparents were two of the first Seventh-day Adventists in in the world, really. Okay. And so, yeah, I'm a seventh-generation Seventh-day Adventist. Seventh, seventh generation. That's, that's, that's not bad. You, yeah. Um, and they, of course, were, for those who might be interested, James and Ellen White. Yes, correct. And uh, Ellen White, in particular, after the death of her husband, James, made a major impact on the Newcastle, Lake Macquarie area. That's right. Uh, for many years. How many years was she living here She for? was here almost a decade in Australia, and she yeah. loved it. When the Lord called her back to uh, the United States, it was with a heavy heart that she left because she had come to love the Kurenbong area and you know here in Australia so much. She brought a lot of uh, industry to the area with mm. the uh, Sanitarium Health Food Company. She brought uh, um, education to the area with the establishment of uh, Avondale College. That's right. um, really had a very large impact on uh, on this region right here where we are broadcasting from. And of course, seven generations and now the, the great, 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 great grandson is coming back. <laughs> And yes, happy to be here in Australia. Full circle, and fantastic. Home, making this my home very soon. Okay, so you're a seventh generation um, Adventist Christian. Uh, you've grown up in a Christian home, yes. I'm assuming. Yes. And uh, um, tell us about your childhood. What, what kind of a home was it? Was this the kind of home where you would uh, have um, you know regular family worship, or was it like one of those homes where it's um, you know sort of a, a once a week for half a day kind of a Christian? Yeah, it was. Um kind of a mix of both there in the middle you know mm-hmm. there were times in my childhood where my parents were a little more serious about their faith but uh you know for a portion of it we had kind of you know they had kind of just slipped back into cultural adventist christianity mm-hmm. you know just the um uh, that cultural christianity that sometimes christians can slip back into rather sure. than the super active christianity but nonetheless uh, i had the opportunity to go to a Seventh-day Adventist Christian school, and that was one of the best things that ever could have happened to me. You know, I was, uh, I'll never forget my fifth grade teacher. I really, really came to see Jesus in her and through her. And she would, and as time was going on, um, my best friend Scotty and I were actually, we sensed that God may be calling us to be in ministry and to serve God full-time in His work. And I'll never forget when my mom told me one day what my teacher, Dottie Ross, had said to her. She would go to a class every single day early and walk by each student's desk. And as she did, she would pray by each student's desk for that student. Oh, really? Yes. And um, just a very consecrated, loving Christian lady. And she said that a couple of times as she got to my desk that this impression came, pastor. 
And so it stood out to her so much that she had spoken to my mom. And it was around then that I was sensing that maybe God was calling me to be in a, a ministry full time. And so that was one thing that God used to kind of guide me along. My best friend Scotty and I both actually. Yeah. Fantastic. So, did, did you know about this at the time? Did you know that you had a calling to ministry at that age? I really sensed that God was, was calling in that direction. Um, there were some things that had happened earlier in my life that uh, caused me to realize that God had special and, and unique plans for my life. And of course, he, as He does for all of us, but these made it stand out all the more. When I was three years old, there was a terrible rainstorm in Northern California where I grew up. And, uh, you know, my family's house up in Angwin, the little town in the mountain, was, uh, you know, in the midst of the forest. I mean, the whole town's in the mm. middle of a forest if you've ever been there. But our house was at the bottom of this hill, and it had been raining for four days straight. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, as my parents were sleeping, they heard this huge crash sound, and the whole house shook. And immediately, my dad knew a tree must have fallen on my our house, and this tree had been leaning over my bedroom. So panicked, he jumped up out of bed. He ran to my room. He opened the door, and there were branches all in the room. He could hardly get in. He ducked under the branches. He turned to his left, and he looked at my bed. And now I'll hit the pause button and tell you what I remember. <laughs> okay, yep, yep. I was asleep on my left side, and I remember just for some reason starting to wake up a little bit. But I felt something warm on the top of my head, kind of like when your head is close to a light bulb. And then I felt like my covers were being pulled up over me slowly. And so my dad looked at my bed, and as he looked at my pillow, there were two branches stabbing the pillow where my head had been. The blankets were untouched, and I was pushed down all the way to the foot of my bed, still on my side, fast asleep. Oh, you have got to be joking. Now the An uh, angel came down? Pushed you from that's right. one end to the other. That's right. Moved me straight down out of the way, out yeah. of harm's way. And every night we would pray for the Lord's protection and His blessing through the night. And little did we know that night how God would answer that prayer so significantly. Mm, that's a great story. Tell me, how did you go from having a, you know, that childlike connection with God, which is um, what we are all told to have, to having the adult experience of, of your own relationship with, with God? Yeah, sure. We, um, When I was 12 years old, I was baptized and really had, like I mentioned, sensed God's leading and calling me to pastoral ministry, to be a pastor someday. My best friend, Scotty, as well. He actually moved away that year. And, you know, friends are so significant when it comes to, uh, you know, your spiritual walk oftentimes. And I, I mean, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, it actually talks about this and it mentions that, uh, you know, bad company corrupts good character. Mm -hmm. And as I made friends with others, you know, uh, that were not as spiritually focused, my spiritual life started to die out and I started to drift from God's side until eventually as um, I was for about three years of my life, just completely doing my own thing, didn't, wasn't interested in anything to do with God for about uh, the age of, from about the age of 14 to, to 17 until I became one of those that was the bad company that was corrupting other people's good character. And, you know, in this time, um, especially this window of my life, uh, because of various habits that I had picked up and, and things that I was doing and people I was involved with, but most of all, because of my distance from God, 
I was lacking the joy that comes from his presence. You know, Psalm 1611 says, in his presence is fullness of joy, right? And so when I drifted from him, I didn't know why I was battling depression and anxiety and and these things. And surely there are uh, even physical causative factors for, you know, things like depression and anxiety. But in my case, I knew that or I didn't recognize it then, but I sensed that I was running from God's call and rejecting the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I knew, knew in the back of my mind that God had called me to to serve Him <laughs> and that I was just out, you know, in rebellion, doing my own thing, um, making poor choices. Until one day, when I was 17 years old, I had come to a point where I was, I'd never been like this before, but I was bedridden, depressed, just crippled by the guilt of, of poor decisions made and, and never having received the, the peace of forgiveness from God, you know? That's and a pretty dark place. It is. It is. And like someone well said, it's when you're flat on your back, the only place to look is up. Mm-hmm. And so I was there. It had been a number of weeks that I had been just severely depressed and and I finally prayed for the first time in a long time. And I said, God, if I'm just like Jonah and I've been running away from you all of this time and that this is happening because of my rejecting your call on my life and you can still use me in ministry, you can still use me to serve you, God, then show me. And I prayed for a very specific sign. My family had been waiting for a phone call and, and it had been about three days that day the phone hadn't rung at all and it was a yes or no answer in this uh this phone call was going to bring and i said lord let that let those people call and let the answer be no if you can still use me then do that and show me and within that's very specific it was quite specific especially since the phone hadn't been ringing it was even a sunday so didn't expect it at all but within five minutes the phone rang and as soon as i heard it ring i knew my mom came in and told me that uh, indeed it was uh that call and and the answer was a no and from that point on i said all right lord i'm i'm yours yeah thank you if you can still use me then here i am wow praise god how many years ago is that now Oh, let's see, 14, 15, 15 years ago. That gives a a few secrets away, doesn't (laughs) it? (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, so uh, from there, um, how do you then move into following your calling into Mm. ministry? You've you've obviously chosen to to, to work in ministry. How does that um, that all take place? Yes, it wasn't an overnight change, of course, but my life, slowly but surely, was an upward upward trend from there. Yeah, and I just want to butt in for a second, if I could. And I just want to speak to our listeners for a moment because, you know, depression, anxiety is a big thing in our world mm. right now. And if you're bedridden with depression today, mm. then go to God. Yes. You know, um, this, this is something that many, many of us are going to struggle with, you know, in lots of different uh, circumstances. But you can either do it with God or you can do it without God. Mm. And doing it with God is just going to be infinitely infinitely better absolutely than uh, trying to just battle away on your own that's right absolutely. he will never let you down mm-hmm. yeah that's right and i should say that uh after that day i never experienced i mean i i may have had some down days and mm. some challenging times but never did i experience depression like i had in those years when i was pushing god away you know mm. and i think part of it is um 
is just that, that it's only in the presence of God that we can experience the forgiveness of our sins, that we can experience the peace and the joy that can comes only from his presence. And surely there are other things, as you mentioned, you know, there are other things that can help us to overcome those things, you know, because it's not just a spiritual thing, but a physiological thing, but our exercise and, you know, what we do in our spare time and eat and all of this and um, sometimes vitamins and supplements. But, but faith in God is an aspect of overcoming depression, anxiety, that uh, is irreplaceable. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, I butted in there because I just wanted to throw that out there just to encourage our listeners, but we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, tell us about your um, your experience in coming into ministry and then, uh, yeah, we want to hear a little bit about your uh, your future plans. I hear there's some, <laughs> there's some exciting plans in the future. Yes, yes, <laughs> there are indeed. Yeah, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 that um, God, God can do more than we can ask or think or even imagine. And I've just seen that in amazing ways in my life. I'm so grateful to him for the privilege of serving him. And, you know, sometimes people believe that uh, serving God, especially teenagers, think, oh, well, if I give my life to the Lord, it's going to be boring. It's not going to be fun. I'm going to be a, you know, fuddy-duddy or whatever you want to call it. But really, there's no greater adventure than serving the Lord. Mm -hmm. And um, it was very quick after that. The next year after that that experience that I had had where I reconsecrated myself to the Lord, I started studying theology in uni and so so preparing to be a a pastor or a teacher. I wasn't sure uh, quite which of the two then. But um, the whole first year, all I really did was homework, come home, um, come home, do homework, eat, go play basketball and uh, hung out with a few friends a little bit here and there. But at the end of that year, I said, God, please get me involved. And secondly, uh, surround me with some godly friends. Bring me some godly friends. Mm -hmm. That summer, literally a week later, my dad came home and he said, hey, um, I just signed us up for information for preaching an evangelistic series uh, in the Philippines. We would each, all 15 of us, preach our own series here in the Philippines uh, or there in the Philippines. Are you interested? I said, yeah, let's go. <laughs> so the second sermon I ever preached was the first of a 15 message series <laughs> in the Philippines across the world. This is and a baptism <laughs> of fire I'm yes. hearing right here. How yeah. many how many how many days of the week were you preaching? Oh, every night. Every so, night twice, <laughs> twice on Saturday. <laughs> and and how well prepared were you when you uh, arrived? Had you got, had did you did you have all 15 sermons <laughs> finished, done, polished, honed, ready to go? <laughs> well, the blessing of this ministry that uh, we went through, it's called Share Him, by the way. It still organizes trips around the world. The sermons are pre-made. They're already done for you, and you just go through, personalize them, edit them, remove slides in certain sections if you need to. And so there were some uh, amazing experiences we had there in the Philippines. And at the end of our series, almost 400 people made commitments and were ready to be baptized into Christ Jesus. Ah, Praise God. Just to see people making decisions for eternity um, knowing that you know you'd <laughs> you'd virtually never preached before, so it was very humbling to see and be reminded that God can use anyone who's willing. Yeah, and, and uh, to know that and to know that you'd played a, played a, uh, a a small role in that. Mm. You know, I mean, actually a major role, but uh, mm. the Holy Spirit played obviously the most major role in bringing those people to Jesus. Absolutely. Okay, so I do want to hear. I do want to hear. Um, I hear uh, yeah. Okay, so wh- why why are you here in Australia right now? <laughs> well, planning. My wedding, planning your yes. wedding. So um, we can we can announce this on air, can't we? Justin has um, 
Justin has managed to uh, <laughs> to become engaged to an Australian girl, Sharissa Fong. Mm. Um, mark that name down because you're going to hear more of that name coming up in uh, in, in 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 the future. And um, yeah, Sharissa actually used to work for me for a number of years. Yeah, that's right. That's where that's we first we met. Had, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, okay, so tell us, tell us what are the what are the plans? Well, what, where's the okay? We know you're getting married sometime in the uh, early new year. And uh, what are the plans for the new year? Yeah, well, we had been um, kind of planning for all of our three, roughly three year long relationship that um, we would begin our life in ministry together there in the United States. Um, by the way, uh, we met four and a half, almost five years ago, and God has been so good. <laughs> this trip is trip number 22. Uh, and yeah, out of yeah, those, yeah. the Lord has funded almost all of them because they've been invitations to preach or teach in each other's countries. Uh-huh. So we just praise the Lord for funding and making our a relationship five possible. five-year-long distance relationship. <laughs> well, we met. You know, I told, I told <laughs> Teresa to just, just, just marry this guy like how many years ago? I don't even know now. But anyway, <laughs> I'm glad it's happening at long last. <laughs> yes, yes, in his time for sure. Yeah. yeah, so we're going to be getting married, uh, Lord willing, February, March, somewhere around there. We're still working out the date we should know by tomorrow. But um, yeah, we'd been planning on beginning our life in ministry there in the United States. I have uh, two churches that I'm currently pastoring. But um, is this going on uh, international radio or just... This is going on national radio, so yeah, Australia. So we can okay. talk about so America <laughs> to our heart's content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my, my churches don't know yet, and that's going to be very hard and difficult news to deliver that uh, the transition is happening. But God opened up the door for, for us to be here in the North New South Wales Conference. We Sharissa's beginning, or actually this past Monday, was her first day as... Uh, prayer ministries coordinator for the conference, mm-hmm. and there is a church that um, I will be pastoring right after our wedding. Actually, when I come over for the wedding, it's me moving here, and so we will be That's... beginning our life and ministry here. We were both surprised that how God led it was unexpected, but we've seen His fingerprints all over it, and we're grateful for how He's opened up the door to be here. Yeah, well, I've got to say that um, I'm grateful as well because it's going to ha- be fantastic to have you as a part of the local team here. Oh, thank um, you. <clears throat> I'm assuming that if Sharissa is working here in the office, that it'll be one of the uh, more local churches in the Central Coast, yes. Newcastle, uh, Hunter region, and uh, it will just be, um, yeah, what a what what a what, what a great opportunity and and. Um, your grand great 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 grandmother was um, here doing ma- amazing things mm. um, so many years ago, and uh, yeah, things go full circle, and <laughs> yes. and uh, now you've come back, brought brought the family back around again, <laughs> and uh, we hope to see more uh, fantastic things happening. Mm. Justin, it's been wonderful having you on the show today. Thank, Thank you, you so much privilege. for joining us, and uh, we're going to move on right now. We'll be back after the news, after the, this song and the news with Encounter with God.
to Faith FM, positively different radio. Do you enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10am every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. 